This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Hi, I'm Anif Baharudin and this is GG Well Played, the show that talks about all things video games. In this episode, we're going to learn about the basics of user interface and user experience in video games. But before that, here's a look back at some of the biggest news in the world of gaming with Ofnil Ting and Ali Johan. Thank you, Hanif. Alright, starting off with Apple's continuing battle with Fortnite. So the fallout from the Epic Games vs. Apple saga still continues, despite the ruling announced a couple of weeks ago. We know that Epic Games is now filing an appeal. By the meantime, they have requested for their developer's account to be reinstated back to the Apple Store so that they can continue developing Unreal Engine and other software for Apple's platforms. Epic Games CEO Tim Sweeney wrote in an email to Apple. Epic promises that it will adhere to Apple's guidelines whenever and wherever we release products on Apple's platforms. So despite that email, Apple won't budge and instead they said that they are planning to keep Fortnite off its App Store until all forms of legal appeals are exhausted. In their reply to Epic's email, Apple said that they will not consider any further requests for reinstatement until the district court's judgment becomes final and non-appealable. Uh, and based on that statement, the legal process could take up to possibly five years. Uh, Apple's lawyer, Mark Perry, said that the company won't reinstate the developer's account immediately because of Epic's duplicitous conduct as well as statements made by Epic's CEO Sweeney after the ruling. Well, full-on war, huh? Yeah. While Epic, in their early email, has said that they will only re-release Fortnite on Apple's platforms only after Apple update its review guidelines to match the plain language of the recent ruling, that is still a slap on the face for the company. Uh, indeed, in reacting to that, Tim Sweeney has called Apple a liar. He said Apple lied. Apple spent a year telling the world, the court and the press that they would welcome Epic's return to the App Store if they agreed to play by the same rules as everyone else. Epic, of course, agreed and now Apple has reneged in another abuse of its monopoly power over a billion users. Yeah, so don't expect to see Fortnite on the App Store anytime soon as these two giants continue to duke it out, whether in court or outside of it. Uh, and moving on, Nintendo had their direct showcase last Thursday and there were a lot of things announced. Uh, including a surprising reveal of a new animated Super Mario Bros. movie coming next year. Uh, the film, which will be produced by Elimination Entertainment, will star Chris Pratt, yes, Star-Lord himself, as the voice of our favourite Italian plumber Mario. Um, Anya Taylor-Joy will voice Peach, Charlie Day will voice Luigi, Jack Black will play Bowser, Keegan-Michael Key will play Toad, and Seth Rogen will play Donkey Kong. Wow, very star-studded cast, yeah. if you ask me. Of course, since it's an animated movie, longtime Mario voice actor Charles Martinet will also have a series of featured cameos in the movie. This will definitely be interesting considering how disastrous the last live-action Super Mario Brothers movie was back in the day, early 90s. I remember that. <laughs> Other than that, on the gaming front, there are tons of games and expansions announced. Some are ports to the Switch, including the classic Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic and recent critics' favourite Disco Elysium. There's also a new Kirby game called Kirby and the Forgotten Land, which provides Kirby with an almost open-world 3D area for him to explore. Yes, there are also new gameplay trailers for Splatoon 3 and Bayonetta 3, which looks very exciting and might satisfy a lot of fans of this series. That game is coming next year. Um, there were also expansions announced for Monster Hunter as well as Animal Crossing New Horizons. 
Nintendo also took the opportunity to finally announce the Nintendo Switch Online Plus expansion pack, which will include N94 and Sega Genesis games for people who subscribe to the expansion pack. The service will come next month with more details on the pricing to be revealed later. Uh, and lists of games have also been announced with more scheduled to be added. Uh, and for now, the service will launch with games such as Super Mario 64, The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time, Mario Kart 64, Star Fox 64, Sin and Punishment, Dr. Mario 64, Mario Tennis 64, Win Back and Yoshi's Story from the N64. For Sega Genesis, the games that are made available soon are Sonic the Hedgehog 2, Streets of Rage 2, Eco the Dolphin, Castlevania Bloodlines, Contra Hut Corps, Strider and more. There are also a lot more things announced, but we suggest that you get online and check out the stream for yourself for more information. Okay, on to the next piece of news, Pandemic Sensation, Fall Guys Ultimate Knockout, a game that was launched last year in August on PlayStation Plus for free, has now set a Guinness World Record as the most downloaded PS Plus game ever. And this piece of news was shared by developer Mediatonic on their Twitter post. But unfortunately, they did not reveal the exact number or downloads. Uh, possibly this was uh, done just to tease the information so that people can get the Guinness World Record book to find out the numbers themselves. Pretty smart. Uh, and regardless, this is a good achievement considering that Sony has given out some big blockbuster games on the PS Plus before, not to mention some popular multiplayer games like Rocket League as well. Um, and to see Fall Guys doing this well is indeed quite an achievement. Mm -hmm. Well, some have dismissed the game as a fad. The game is now in its fifth season and is doing pretty well, all things considered. For those of you who have not played the game in a while, maybe it's time to get back into it again. Lastly, apparently a few gameplay footages uh, showcasing the upcoming Battlefield Mobile scheduled to be released next year has leaked online. Yeah, the game is currently going through a playtesting phase in Southeast Asia and now some gameplay footage has emerged showcasing how the game looks like in what some have said is an alpha build. Um, there's a clip that shows players driving tanks, quad bikes and moving on foot as they attempt to capture various objectives across one map. And it's still pretty early but it looks like the game's building up pretty well if the leaked clips are to be believed. So more to look out for as we progress uh, in the future. And that's all we have for this week's News Roundup. Back to you, Hanif. Thank you very much, Ali and Afnil. Hi, my name is Anissa Sanusi. I'm a senior UI UX designer from Rural 7 based in London, UK. And I'm working on a video game that is set to release on the next-gen consoles sometime soon. I can't say much about it right now, but uh, I'm very excited. Yes, Anissa Sanusi, a UI UX designer that's based in London, is joining us this week to help us better understand what UI and UX mean and how important they are in creating a more immersive gaming experience for everyone. Anissa, take it away. Okay, sure. So uh, UI, it stands for User Interface and UX, it stands for User Experience. Um, so th this is actually two different jobs, but a lot of companies, uh, they employ somebody that kind of does both, like, you know, one part UI, one part UX, because it's quite intertwined with each other. So user interface, that is kind of like what you see when you open an app or you start, you know, when you start a game, there's like buttons, there's prompts, you know, there's like the heads up display. So when you see like, um, like a health bar or an ammo count, you know, all those things that come up that is not like the 3D world or the characters, all of those is considered user interface, things that you interact with as a user. There's a lot more to do with like, like I said, graphic design and, you know, layout and how it's um, 
how it, it works and all that. Whereas user experience is a little bit more, I want to say like holistic. So it is literally the experience of the user using your product. In this case with video games, it's like what the players are experiencing at any point of playing the, the video game, right? So um, we want to make sure that the UI, the user interface, or even the gameplay is like player-friendly, that they understand it's easy to understand, but difficult to master because it is a game, right? It is a thing that you need skill to play. But the point of it is that we want players to be able to enjoy the game without fighting with the systems or the interfaces that we put into the video games. So that's UX. That's kind of like making sure it is uh, user-friendly and it's easy to use. Whereas UI is the actual like layout, how it looks, you know, does it look similar to, to the art style? Does it fit the art style and the in-world um, narrative or anything like that? Mm. How important are these things in game design? Do we always talk about these things when it comes to designing games or have, I guess, the conversation surrounding UI and UX became, uh, I guess, a bit more important these days or a bit more pronounced these days? Well, I feel like UI has always been there. Um, it's just that in the early days of video games, when there's only you know really small teams, and like you said, people will wear many many different hats. So what happens is that usually like the artist will take over this bit because you know it's drawing the buttons, you know choosing fonts and choosing colors and things like that. And sometimes game designers will be doing the user experience. I don't think they thought about it as user experience at the time because with the advent of websites, computers, apps, and things like that. Uh, UX is a, is more of a like an actual skill set that people can actually go to university for and get certification for. But you know, way back then, when all of these electronics was first just you know just starting to be developed, uh, there was no words to explain it. So I would say like it's always been there. We're just better at labeling it. One and number two, people are more aware that it's something that you could specialize in as a job and as a career. Mm, yeah, I, I think that's a very good explanation considering that I think, yeah, yeah like you said, UI has perhaps always been there. Um, but UX is, I think based on what I've read uh, so, uh, so far, it seems like it's a pretty quote-unquote recent thing, I suppose. Is that correct? It's, yeah. um, yeah, it's kind of, it's it's getting, like you can be qualified for it. You know, you can you can be taught um, the principles of it. I think uh, it's, it's recent because a lot of the core tenets that we follow in, in UX, and especially good, good UX, like really well-designed UX, was only developed in the last 20, 30 years. So it's very, very new in comparison to, I don't know, mathematics, which has been around for like thousands of years. <laughs> mm. Can you give us a bit of an example, just so that our listeners can, I guess, perhaps imagine these things? I mean, we're a, I'm a radio podcast, right? But at the same time, yeah, <laughs> perhaps you can give a bit of an example in terms of games that do well on both, I think, uh, when it comes to good implementation of UI and UX. Off the top of my head, I mean, I can think of The Last of Us Part 2, but that's only because of its accessibility features, which I think we can touch on a mm. bit later. But generally, yeah, what are some of the games, classic games, even like you know, that have good implementation of UI and UX? So actually, right for UX, uh, The Last of Us Two is a very good example. It is it's one of the more popular games that people have heard about it. So if you look if you look at what it, what it looks like visually, it's quite simple, right? Like it's mostly um, like dark backgrounds with uh, white text and very like flat icons. So the great thing about the UX in The Last of Us 2 is that it's very much about the feel of it. Like when you're changing weapons, you know, you don't really think about it. You It's kind of like almost reflex that you know what to do because they've kind of onboarded you quite well. 
So part of UX is also kind of like how you teach the players to use certain uh, mechanics in your game. So that's also part of UX, right? Um, and the other half, like you mentioned, is accessibility. So uh, a few people, let's say, you know, you, you don't have, you can't like press a button too quick, you know, because, you know, your motor like isn't functioning quite well or, you know, some people feel pain from too much button, button mashing. So you want to make it accessible for those people. And aside from that, like there's stuff like um, color blindness or, you know, even like um, hearing impairment, all these things like The Last of Us 2 really kind of dug into it to make sure that anyone can play. So I think that's a really good way, a good game for like really good UX because that game is actually really difficult. But, you know, even with accessibility options, it doesn't necessarily mean it's easy. Like it's easy to to understand, like I said, to understand how to, you know, pick up items or change weapons or even like how to strategize your way around a map based on all the zombies that you go through. But the UI itself is quite simple and easy to understand. Whereas I think for like, so my favorite game to talk about really good UI um, I'm only laughing because I get this question asked a lot uh, and I always I always feel like a bit of a cop-out for naming the same game but it is actually really good <laughs> um, so one of my favorite all-time games is actually Persona 5 and Persona 5 UI is gorgeous as in um, when you learn graphic design there's a lot of things there where you you know it's kind of like a set of rules that you abide by you know stuff like um, alignment um, you know and where things layouts you know uh, kerning things like that even color choices but persona 5 they just went all out they're just like i think it's the best example of knowing the rules so well that you break them and it still works it's so fancy like it's there's so much character to it and uh i spent so many like i'm not gonna lie spent a lot of hours just going through the menus and like clicking in and out of it to see the animation to see like you know how how did they do this and do that and kind of like reverse engineering like trying to figure out oh so they decided to do this why is that you know that kind of thing that's how amazing the persona 5 ui is that was Anissa Sanusi, a UI UX senior designer from Roll7, a game development studio that's based in London, sharing her knowledge on UI and UX and how they help create a more immersive experience for gamers. We're going to go for a short break. More on UI and UX after these messages. Stay tuned. This is GG Well Played on BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9, you're listening to GG Well Played. I'm your host, Hanif Baharudin. Joining me this week is Anissa Sanusi. She's a UI UX senior designer from Rule 7, a studio based in London. And she's here to share her knowledge on UI and UX. What's the difference between the two and how they help in improving our gaming experience? We're going to continue the conversation by looking at the philosophy behind designing a good user interface for gamers. I have to say that I've I've yet to play Persona 5 but I've seen videos of, of the game and I know what you mean when it comes to exactly. saying that yeah the UI is, is pretty marvelous but having said that um it's interesting that we mentioned The Last of Us Part 2 earlier because you the UI I mean the UI specifically for The Last of Us Part 2 is quite minimalistic if you think mm-hmm. about it right so so when it comes to designing UI specifically um what are the like main core tenets or philosophies uh, when it comes to approaching it like do you go uh, like you know, do you go fancy or do you go very simple and minimalistic? And what, 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 what do you want to achieve when it comes to a good UI? Right? Do you want to be elaborate and fancy, or do you want to be simple and like you know? Because, because when it comes to games, as much as 
you want it to be simple but sometimes you be like macam, oh man you ni macam it looks very <laughs> minimalistic too minimalistic but then when you see some games that implement very good well very good and I use that word superficially like um menu design system where like it's very immersive so so yeah how do you balance the two as it was yeah yeah so um that really depends on the video game itself um this is what i love about video games right it's such a huge industry as in if you think about it like in terms of books or in terms of movies you have so many different genres right you have your romances and then you have like really thick fantasy books that's like seven seven volumes long and then you have like the shorter like comic books you know where it's just like four panel comics um and they're all books and they're all you know entertaining and video games is exactly the same in the sense that like it's a medium where you have a lot of different genres in it different types of games with different um i want to say like different purposes so you have some games that is meant to be exciting you know so this is your shooters your fps that you play with your friends those tend to be quite like i want to call <laughs> use the word like fancy or you know like super like sleek and um it really grabs your attention right whereas to use the last of us 2 as an example that one is like I'd say drama, right? Like the narrative is really sad. <laughs> like it really breaks your heart and like nobody's happy in that game and you're going up against zombies. You know, it is, it's more thriller than horror, I would say, because, you know, you have some horror games as well. But with these games, one is narrative heavy, like you want to focus on the story, you want to focus on the characters, you know, which is why the approach of minimalist uh, UI makes complete sense. Because, you know, in this world, you're, you don't, you're not really playing the game, you're playing the characters, you're going through their stories. So a minimalist UI works for that because you don't want the attention to be on the UI itself. Whereas with Persona 5, it's also quite, you know, narrative driven. It is, you know, you do play through your characters and all that. But with Persona 5, the genre of that is actually a JRPG. So a Japanese RPG is slightly different from, say, Western RPG, which is what The Last of Us 2 is. So with JRPGs, um, especially with Persona, it's actually quite classical in, in its mechanics, which means it is turn-based. And what that means is that you take turns to figure out your moves you know and then you you choose the next turn of like the, the next person's move and then the enemy moves so it's like one 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 you know that kind of thing and it's a lot more like strategy and it's you're using your um not just your items but your attacks but also like your personas like you know it's kind of like learning the system and it's a lot more strategy to it like strategy in within the menus itself so in a jrpg the menus are actually super important in which case i think they went the correct way of making it really interesting because you are basically playing the menus like half the time when you're in battle. And I think that's like two games that I think that is so different for each other. But also at the same time, they both provide hours and hours and hours worth of really good storytelling and their UI kind of reflects their world exactly how it should be. Um, and I, I, I really love that because, you know, if we're going to talk about, say, mobile games, which is mostly playing the UI as well, you get a lot of like, casual games so you get a lot of this like super friendly like bubbly and bright colored uh ui because that's that's kind of like the genre of that game it's just a puzzler it's very bright it's very uh welcoming that kind of thing you know mm. so there is no such thing as as you know uh, you know the developers are lazy when it comes to implementation because i think it, when it comes to layperson sometimes they can easily 
be a bit unimpressed if let's say the UI is a bit minimalistic, right? But I think um, it's not as simple as that, right? It's not like, for example, the develop- developers deciding that, you know what, we're going to focus our attention solely on the gameplay and all, you know, and the u- user experience that we're going to make the, the UI as minimalistic as possible. It is part of the equation of, of creating the game, right? It's not an afterthought, right? Everything is a decision. Like, uh, I can assure you 100% the quote-unquote lazy developer uh, does not exist. Everybody in the industry works so hard. Uh, I can tell you this. Like, this industry is super competitive because it's a passion industry, which means people are in it because they're passionate about video games. And if you're not passionate um, or hardworking, you wouldn't still be around. That's So, like, I don't like this idea where people think if they're unimpressed with something, it's okay to be critical of it. Obviously, you know, video games is an art form and you are allowed to criticize art um, and you have people have different tastes. But also, like, I think it's a bit rude (laughs) to undermine the developer's efforts to say like, oh, they were just lazy or, you know, they didn't want to do this or that because game development is very long. It's very hard. Um, Everything to the smallest detail, people definitely kind of, we talk about it, you know, and sometimes we do have to prioritize other things. Like if the game is not working, if it's breaking, obviously we're going to prioritize, you know, bug fixing and things like that. But um, in terms of like UI UX, like we we put in a lot of effort. Like there's a lot of, the thing about UI is that a lot of the work, I would say 80% of the work isn't even in the game itself. You know, it's the, the things we do outside of it. It's the planning, it's the research, and it's the, when you implement it into the game, UI is one of those things that is constantly being replaced, you know, as in it is constantly being updated. Like whatever you see in game, like in release, is I can assure you like 250% different from when it was first put in in the game itself, you know, because it's like an ongoing effort. Mm. Yeah, and also there also, I mean, to get a bit more technical into it, you also have to think about um, how it's going to be displayed uh, on people's television or monitors or even mobile phones, right? If you think about it. Yeah. Because I think I've spoken to another developer who said that, yeah, sometimes, you know, uh, he, he said that it's a bit uh, problematic to develop for PC because sometimes you have to take into factor how it might appear on like different types of monitors, right? Um, and also, like, I have another interesting conversation with a friend about how uh, in this era of HD, because of the higher resolution uh, monitors that we our TVs that we use, sometimes when it comes to the menus, um, the scalability is a bit different. That or it's a bit too sharp. That the, the the letters become a bit small. And sometimes if you sit far away from your TV, it's a bit difficult to see to see the menu, especially if the menu is very uh, very dense, yeah. right? To a certain extent. So so these are also the little things that I think uh, a designer have to think about, right? When it comes to 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 designing yes. UI. Yeah, so when you think about it, like people play video games, like you said, on their PCs, which is, you know, they might have like a regular 1080p monitor, you know, like a 24 inch or something. Some people might have 4K monitors. Some people might have 8K TVs, like super, super high resolution TVs that is like 60 inches or bigger than that. So the fact that, you know, we have... Um, we have like so many settings and we have amazing quality assurance people who test all of these things, all of these different resolutions. But even in games itself, there's a few like best practices that we do to make sure that we kind of, we cover like the most common sizes, you know, because I would say like way back when, when we had like CRT TVs, like the resolution was still like four by three. Um, but these days it's 16 by nine, which is the HD TV size. And then you have like, 
ultra wide monitors at 21.9 or even like wider than that. So, you know, we kind of, we focus on the most commonly used um, like uh, settings. And thankfully um, with Steam, because it's like the most used uh, video game platform for PC users, we get a lot of that information um, from players. So at least we can design around like what's the most commonly used. And then we make sure like you have like those, what you call edge cases. If somebody has like a really weird setup, we want to make sure that it, we have like safety nets to catch all those things. Hmm. How different is it uh, when it comes to designing um, menus and also heads up display your HUD yeah, uh, for in-game items? Yeah, There's not a huge difference. I said like uh, it, it all comes together. Uh, it depends on your team because I currently work in a smaller team, which means I'm the only UI person that does um, all of it the designing of it at least like at least when we're implementing it within the game engine itself i work with the programmers to do that but like in bigger companies like let's say a triple a company you know working on like playstation or xbox games uh they would sometimes have a team of like six people or maybe even like a team of 10 people who just only do ui stuff and i would say like the important thing when you have like a huge team is to make sure that everybody is on the same page like the vision is strong you know like you need like a really strong art direction so that when you design something it looks like one person made it you know like it's been made by the same person if that makes sense and also like you want to make sure that uh with every game there's this thing called like core pillars so a core pillar is kind of like what what this game is and what should follow it and by that i mean like you know if it's like a shooter game if it's going to be like a military game then you want to make sure that your ui looks like it's a military game right you don't want to make it look like it's flowery or like too feminine or anything like that um just to use an example you know and whereas there's certain games like uh i don't know like a roller coaster building game uh you want that to be more like family friendly so it's a bit more like brighter and looks more fun looking and not so uh serious looking right so all of these core pillars are uh you would need like a creative director or an art lead to kind of hold on to the ui team to make sure that we're all kind of heading in the same direction so yeah it so doesn't matter which screen you're making like main menus or hud or uh anything in between like you want to make sure that it, lo- it looks consistent and it looks like it belongs together Hmm, okay. Uh, let's shift our attention to UX. I think we can perhaps maybe talk a bit d- deeper about that. Um, I'm sure that when it comes to UI, it's not just limited to visual, right? Um, then you have to factor in you know, the sound that perhaps the menu makes when you when you change your your menu and whatnot. Um, uh, but user experience feels a bit deeper, right? That it takes into factor a lot of a lot more different things, right? So, yeah, maybe perhaps you can sort of like I guess elaborate a bit more on on how 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 does one I guess look at user experience uh, from from the developer's perspective? Yeah, so um, with user experience, like I said, it's like a holistic thing. So the best thing with user experience is to actually watch people play your game. Um, (laughs) And so this is called user testing. um, And, you know, every company will do it like at different points of the game. uh, And it's really important when you do have somebody play the game and you're kind of doing your user test, you need to have something that you're looking out for specifically. uh, Because when a game is in development, like different parts of it will be in different states of progress you know some parts will be like oh this bit is completed and this bit is still you know still working and you don't want to you don't want to be too critical of bits that you know are in progress but then like you know let's say you want to test how easy it is to like navigate this this level so 
when you have somebody in, you want to see how, how, you know, how they're moving through the levels. Are they seeing the signs? Are they picking up the items that they're meant to pick up? You know, all these things, that's what you look out for. And let's say if somebody's having difficulty doing something, right? It's less about kind of figuring out um, the answer right then and there. It's kind of like, oh, so, you know, we've tested this with 10 people and eight out of 10 people uh, didn't pass level three. Why is that? You know, like, is it too difficult? Or, you know, is there like something that is bothering, you know, is that like a pain point somewhere that they need to uh, take out? Kind of like, what if, you know, oh, this this player is not using this weapon very often. Why is that? So they kind of have to, a bit like investigating Sometimes it's an easy solution. Sometimes it's like, oh, this icon doesn't look like it's, you know, it doesn't represent the item as it should be. So, so players didn't even realize that was a thing. And like, let's say a player gets lost in a level. Um, do you have a mini map? You know, oh, maybe a mini map would help. So I guess you know that would help with players kind of like finding their way outside of that puzzle, that kind of stuff. So uh, user experience is very much like you have an idea of how the game how you want the game to be like, you know, what kind of experiences do you want the players to have? And having uh, users play them is just validating those things and then figuring out what you can change to to fix something. Mm, okay, yeah. Now that you mentioned it, I'm reminded of Uncharted for, for some reason and also how they tend to use uh, like specific colors when it comes to, to sort of like guide players to make sure that they won't be lost, right? Um, but, but at the same time, you know, after playing four, four or five Uncharted games, you kind of like know, okay, I have to look for, you know, the rocks that have been painted white. Yes. <laughs> or, yeah. or, 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 yellow, or boxes that have yellow yellow paint for some reason, right? As a, as a gamer who don't really like, I guess, challenges that much, which, which is why I haven't played Sekiro or Dark Souls yet. But, uh, but at the same time, um, you know, you, you, you kind of like that, that kind of like, you know, nudging visual effects, right? But at the same time, it might be a bit too linear for some. Is that, is that like a, I guess, a fair criticism, I suppose? Or, well, hmm? it depends because that's why, you know, video games are amazing because you have so many different kinds of video games and different genres and different difficulty levels. Um, there's a game for literally everybody. Like you said, like if you are the type of person who really wants a challenge, obviously Dark Souls is there. You can go all out. And some people, they just want to relax, which is why, you know, some people play The Sims um, for like hours and hours because they just want to relax and just have fun. So it really like it depends on what you want to do. And it depends on if the game can deliver uh, that exact kind of experience that you're looking for. So, um where are we when it comes to to UI and UX, and uh, what are the conversations surrounding it that the industry is talking about um, when it comes to um, these two things? Um, I think it's gaining popularity as a job and career. So a lot of people are really keen into getting into video games as a UI designer, which is which is great because when I started, I didn't even know what a UI designer was because you know I wanted to be a concept artist. I started as a 2D artist and kind of fell into UI and I kind of wanted to learn about UX. Like everything that I've learned, I kind of learned on the job. And the fact that these things are more common knowledge now and people are talking about it like you know in conferences we people go to universities and talk about it which is amazing i like it because it means that it's opening up to a lot more people and it means we're going to get a lot more like diverse candidates to apply for, to video game companies and i think we we need more different voices um and ui is just one of the ways people can get into games and uh yeah if you really like it if you like graphic design, if you like user experiences, if you like curating experiences, uh, this is definitely something you can look into. 
Mm, and accessibility is also a big, I guess, thing that is now gaining a lot more popularity, right? I think yes. uh, we mentioned earlier about The Last of Us Part 2 and now like even other games, a bunch of Sony's other games, you know, like uh, for example, Ghost of Tsushima, Ratchet and Clank, you know, all these games have started, uh, I guess, implementing these accessibility features, right? So that's also another thing that I think is pretty big within the industry, right? I think a lot of people are talking uh, about it a lot more, which is like good. Yeah, definitely. Um, it, there's a huge push to kind of like accessibility has been around for a long time. But I love the fact that these days it's not a question of will there be accessibility options. It's more of like what options will you have? You know, like developers are a lot more keen on getting them um, in from from the get go rather than waiting for somebody to complain about it or, or you know updating it later. So it's a it's a really good shift in attitudes of being more open to have more people play your game. All right, and. Perhaps last question uh, for people out there who would like to, I guess, get into this aspect of game design. You know, where where, where should they start? Um, the internet is a great place, so uh, you can find a lot of resources, um, especially for video game design and anything to do with UI UX. Um, on uh, there's a website called Game Developer, which used to be called Gamma Sutra, um, and we have like YouTube videos, uh, channels that talk about these things as well. And if if you are on social media the best thing to do is kind of like follow game developers who do that job because they love sharing their work, they love talking shop, you know, so that's a really good start as well. You're tuned in to GG Well Played and that was Anissa Sanusi, a senior UI UX designer from Roll7, a studio that's based in London. And she has given us a primer on designing UI and UX for games. If you'd like to listen to this episode again, look for the podcast on pfm.my, our app available on the Apple App Store or Google Play and also Spotify. Do share your thoughts about the show or the games that you play via our email, ggwp at bfm.my. Don't forget to also follow the station on Twitter at BFM Radio. My name is Sanif Baharudin. Thanks for joining us. Game on! and stay safe till next time GG well played thank you for listening to this podcast to find more great interviews go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes BFM 89.9 the business station